0: We are beginning uh, six weeks of looking at what it means to be a, to have a Jesus-shaped life, a Jesus-shaped life. And whether we like it or not, we're being influenced by forces and shaped, that shape the way we think, what we value, how we relate. We are constantly being shaped by the messages that surround us for example and help me out here okay just a little test wheaties okay is the breakfast of nike says just do it and kentucky fried chicken is you know are there phrases in the christian faith that we can with confidence say <laughs> You know, I mean, we are indoctrinated by the billions of dollars that are put into messaging in our culture. In addition, in addition, we're influenced by our friends, by our family. Neuroscientists say that, that using the internet changes the way that our brains are Structured. Now, I don't know what to do with that because I get my news off the Internet. I get basketball scores off the Internet. I would be totally lost without the Internet. But I read this stuff and I'm going, am I going to be brain damaged? (laughs) Cell phones, social media are changing the way we relate to each other. The question that I want to ask today is how do we take control of what goes into our brains can we free ourselves from the outside influences that are constantly shaping our lives to be shaped in the image of Jesus And over the next six weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the different characters of Jesus, who Jesus was, um, and what he shows us in the way that he lived his life. And what we see there is how Jesus was shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit and gives to us that power to help shape our own lives. And the Holy Spirit is always at work to shape us in the image of Jesus. Over these weeks, we will look at how we're made to be like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to relate to others like Jesus did, to know the Heavenly Father like Jesus, to obey the Father like Jesus. For this is God's plan for us, to be shaped like Jesus. To be shaped by Jesus. And here is um, what we can rely on. God is not going to sit back and just watch us struggle. God is not going to sit back and just watch us struggle. God empowers us through the Holy Spirit if we but accept it to grow, to change, and to be like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words. And for all that I don't speak, O God, may you fill in the gaps. And for all that I misspeak, O God, may you correct it in our hearing. We pray, O God, to hear your word, to hear what you would have for us this day. Hide me behind the cross, O God, that, that we would only see you Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. One of my favorite images in the New Testament is in the Gospel of John uh, Chiv read it for you earlier from chapter fifteen. It is the vine and the branches. Jesus being the vine, and uh, I, I, I didn't know much about uh, about the the grape business, but every every uh, you know when you grow grapes you have a vine and it's i mean the the uh, uh, the, the trunk can be just huge and it's trimmed back in, in in each season so that new branches can grow out each year to produce grapes but it is the vine that provides the value of the fruit that is being produced and so Jesus compares himself to the vine and the branches. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine uh, grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Now, at first look, that looks like a word of judgment, doesn't it? I mean, you're going to be removed. You're going to be pruned. You're going to be cut off. Um, I don't know about you, but that concerns me. I start looking at my life. Am am, am I at risk? You know, what's going on here? Here's what's going on. The phrase, he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. The Greek word ariae, translated removed, more fully means to lift up. The next phrase, every branch that bears fruit, that bears no fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. And the Greek word kathario, translated pruned, is more fully to mean cleanse and purify. Now, from what I understand, here's what's happened: is that as as the branches grow out from the vine, some of the branches will fall down along the, along the soil. Okay? And they get contaminated by the soil. They get dirty. They're covered up. The, the uh, sunshine can't get to it. The, they, it's harder for the nutrients for the vines to get to it. And so, what the vine dresser does is that the vine dresser lifts up those branches out of the dirt. He lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit. Not remove, but to lift up. To put it in a place where it can bear fruit. To put it in a place where it can receive the life-giving source of Jesus Christ. And and then further, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. The word there, cleanse. In other words, he's cleansing. In other words, removing that which, which impedes the sunshine, the nutrients that impedes the the life-giving source that comes from the vine so that more and more grapes, more and more fruit can be produced. Jesus is sharing with his followers that he is the source of life, the vine. And through the Holy Spirit... And he goes into more detail in, in later on in chapter 15 and 16 about the Holy Spirit that he offers and leaves for us is that through the Holy Spirit, we are connected to this life force. God doesn't remove us from Jesus. Instead, Jesus is sharing with us what God in, what God's intent to lift us out of the situations that separate us from the life source of Jesus. Further, the Holy Spirit works to cleanse us of those things that separate us from Jesus. And the call of every follower of Christ is to connect ourself with the life source of Jesus fully and completely without impediment. That's what this passage is about. This is about being connected to the life source of Jesus Christ. And and God has such great love and concern for us is that he is willing to do whatever necessary to put us in a position where we can be connected. Then he goes on in verse 3. What does the cleansing look like? You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. What Jesus is doing here is that saying that the source of what God wants to do for us to connect us more fully to Jesus is the Word of God, particularly the Word of God that comes out of Jesus' mouth. And as we become more and more familiar, as we incorporate that more and more in our life, so therefore are our lives cleansed in order to bear fruit, to be connected to the life source of Jesus. Then he goes on and makes this promise. Abide in me as I abide in you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, it'd be ridiculous to think that a branch could provide fruit if it's separated from the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in him will bear much fruit. As we abide and connect to Jesus, so Jesus abides in us. And through the connection to Jesus Christ, we are more like him. We, are, <laughs> we, become, we become able to shape and, and mold our lives into the image of Christ. In the church, we call this sanctification. Sanctification is the process of putting ourselves under the authority of the Holy Spirit to be shaped in the image of Jesus. Now, sanctification does not come all at once. We are saved by grace, not any of our own doing, but a gift of God. It is a once and for all salvation that comes but sanctification is the continuing growth of our Christian life to be more like Jesus. It is a lifelong process. John Wesley, in his his writings, um, talked about about achieving perfection, okay? And and he he writes that he believed that that perfection in Christ was possible in this life, but it was a process, a process of sanctification whereby we grow step-by-step week by week, season by season, year by year, never really accomplishing all that there is but continuing to grow in Christ. And sanctification itself is not a, uh, is not a direct line. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes it is on the mountaintop you know, with a great experience of, of, of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and a full revelation and, and sense of who God is and that experience that just lifts us off the ground. And then we get tempted to go back into the valley, back to the way things were. But once we've been to the mountaintop, the valley will never be the same again. The valley will never be the same again. Sanctification does not come all at once, it is a lifelong journey. Now, sin gets in the way of sanctification, it is the stumbling block. So, first, what is sin? Okay? We talk about sin a lot in the church, but what does it really mean? In, in many cases, we talk about sin as if it has a, a moral and ethical breach, and it is. It has to do with our behavior and the following of God's law. But more deeply, sin is the focus on self at the expense of our relationship with God and our relationships with each other. Anything that separates is sin. That's how we define sin. Anything that separates. Jesus saved us from the penalty and power of sin. But growth goes beyond that. A popular bumper sticker, and I'm sticker. And I'm sure you've seen this. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And I want to I say to people that, that see that that bumper sticker, well, if you don't think that's true, just come in the church. That's a joke, by the way, but you can laugh. <laughs> We're not perfect. You know, hurtful things are said around the church. We're human beings. But we celebrate the forgiveness of God. We celebrate what God can do in our lives. And... and and we, we work with all of our might to, to get closer to Jesus, to be shaped by Jesus, so that our body be, may be more like Jesus. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Well, that bumper sticker is true, but it doesn't go far enough. That implies that Christians and not yet Christians may live the same way except the believer will be forgiven by God. And that's not what the Bible says. The difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is not just Christ's forgiveness. It is a change in the way that we live. Romans 6, 6 and 7 says... For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. As we abide in the life-giving force of Jesus, as we are connected to the vine, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to self. And through Jesus Christ, we can say, to any destruction or life-compromising presence of sin and brokenness, this shall be no more. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be free. For there is no brokenness, there is no sin, there is no separation that the Holy Spirit cannot heal if we open ourselves to that work in our lives. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. God forgives our sins and purifies us from unrighteousness. God saves us from the penalty of sin by forgiving us and from the power of sin by purifying and changing us. A better bumper sticker might be And hear the difference here. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, and becoming like Jesus. Now, that's different. That sets us apart, doesn't it? Or or maybe, maybe I am just a sinner, saved by grace, and being changed by grace. So the most profound question that we can ask is, are we being changed by grace? Is Jesus making a difference in the way we think and act? Now, I know that that's not always true. We all struggle with it. We struggle with ourselves. We struggle with our our self-concern. But as we, are, as we become closer and closer to Jesus, as we open ourselves to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, change can take place. Some would say, and actual <laughs> neurological studies have been done on this, that there are some people that are born that their brains operate in a such a way that they are more open to spiritual things. And, and that may or may not be true that people are born that way, but I would say they, that all of us are born again that way. You, do you hear that? Born again. As we come to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as we commit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives, we have the opportunity to be born again. For when we come to Christ, we are given a new nature. The old nature does not necessarily automatically go away. Ephesians 5, 16 and 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit that is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. I mean, what what Paul's saying there is that there's a tug of war. There's a tug of war that's taking place between our inner nature and what God has made us to be and what the Holy Spirit is trying to move us and make us and reshape us to be. There is a tug of war at place. And until we make the decision to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit to partner with the Holy Spirit, to make the Spirit uh, an ally, we are at risk. We are at risk. Verse 16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires in the flesh. When we um, learn to live under the Spirit's power instead of the old nature... We call that process, learning to be like Jesus. Sanctification. Now, I think to some extent that what the Holy Spirit also does for us is that it becomes a checkpoint for us to alert us. And as we get more in line with the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like, and I don't know whether your cars have this or not, but mine has a proximity alarm. Any of you have that? If I get too close to something, this alarm starts beeping. Does it drive you crazy? Um, <laughs> back when the ice storm came, my whole car iced over, and guess what? My proximity um, sensor thought that I was close to something, so it was going off all the time. I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. You know, it just went off all the time. It drove me crazy. The Holy Spirit is our proximity alert the more we get in touch with the Holy Spirit, the more we are in line with Jesus, the more our life is shaped in the image of, of Christ, so within us there is a proximity alert of danger to our soul. The Holy Spirit can be our anti-sin warning sent, sent a signal. And transformation into Jesus involves both God's power and our willingness, our willingness. It's like a dance. A dance requires two partners. You cannot force the other to dance. You have to dance together. God has a part. We have a part. And our part is the willingness to change. And we don't have the power within ourselves but the Holy Spirit will enter where it is welcome. God won't force us to change. It comes by invitation and by willingness. A.W. Tozer said, God will take nine steps toward us, but he will not take the tenth. He will incline us to repent, but he cannot do our repenting for us. If we are willing to change, we need to step ourselves to take an action. And the more we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, the greater depth and meaning our lives will have. And and here's a starting place, and I know I'm a broken record about this, and I say this over and over again, but I truly believe that this is a beginning place Worship every week. Join with the people of God to worship, to allow your soul to be reminded, to hear the word, to sing the songs of faith, to, uh, <clears throat> to be a part of what God, God is doing in worship. And then, and then second, to be a part of a small group or a, or a study group where you are joining with other Christians to hear and to share and be reminded, to pray together to pray for each other, to share the work of the Holy Spirit and to hear the words of testimony, to develop a prayer life, a regular prayer life of seeking God, even if it's just as we teach in an in, in emotionally healthy spirituality, even if it's just sitting silent for two to three minutes and reading a devotion, to have that time of, of listening to God, And then finally, reading the scriptures. What what did Jesus say in John 15? We are cleansed by the word. And unless we read the word, how can we be cleansed? We need and have a great need for hope in the future a hope for a new day. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to make all things new. That's going to be our focus for the next five weeks. Is to look at the character of Jesus and how and how Jesus is opening up the door to the work of the Holy Spirit to us in relationships, in, <clears throat> in how we and how we operate in terms of our in, in terms of our devotional life, in, in, in our character in justice. to shape our lives in the image of Jesus. In all things, ask the Spirit to fill and direct. And when we lean into the Spirit, here's what happens. In Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? And, and we don't just strive for these traits. They grow in us when the Spirit is in charge. We have a part to play in our, in our growth. It is, uh, but it is the, the Holy Spirit that is the power. And as we become more shaped in the image of Jesus, we are empowered to recognize that which is destructive what can, because we can't avoid what we can't recognize. And as such, the Spirit will produce fruits in us. You know, and just in closing, the best way to overcome the barrier of sin is to focus on what you want to become, not what you want to avoid. But what you want to become, if we focus on what it means to, uh, to exhibit the fruits, to inhabit the fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and so forth, and so, if we focus on those, that which separates us from God and one another begins to melt away. Because our number one priority is to be shaped like Jesus